And so that's one of the lessons I believe that the Lord would teach us today, that an offering to the Lord, it should be free willing. We should have a heart that it just wants to give to the Lord and to give freely to the Lord as he leads us, but also in accordance to our ability, we are to respond with the gifts that we give to God. Welcome to the Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast, and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. Today, we're coming back to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. For the next two weeks, Lord willing, today and next week, we'll be looking at the topic that everybody loves in church life, the topic of giving. So we find here in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, this is at a time that Paul, when he wrote this letter to the believers at Corinth, the saints in Jerusalem, they were really suffering greatly. We really to understand the heart of Paul and to understand the period, the time in which this was written, The second letter to the Corinthians is believed to have been written around A.D. 57 or 58. Now, we know that by the time A.D. 70 rolled around, Jerusalem would be destroyed by the Romans. They would tear the walls down. They would tear the temple down, and it would be left in ruins by A.D. 70. So right now, as we look at 2 Corinthians, Corinthians chapter 8, we're right around AD 57, 58. And although the conflict with Rome had not yet begun, it would happen in AD 66 that that would begin and they would have this four-year war against Rome, the Jews there in Jerusalem that would lead to the destruction of their city. You have to know that they're only 12 to 13 years away from the total destruction of their city and there was something that led to the war in AD 66 and I believe that they're already suffering at this point in fact Paul realizing the great suffering of the brothers and sisters in Christ in Jerusalem has planned to bring an offering to them that he could help relieve their suffering there in the city and no doubt both believers and unbelievers were already experiencing the birth pangs of this conflict that was brewing there in Jerusalem. And it's because of Jerusalem's suffering that Paul desired to bring this 
offering, and he writes in this letter to the church there in Corinth to encourage them to bring about the promised pledge that they had already made. He'd already talked about this at the end of 1 Corinthians chapter 16. He mentioned the offering. We'll look at that here as we get into the teaching. But he reminds them again here in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 that the collection date is coming. And so I just want you guys to be ready. So today we're going to look at a message that I entitled Christ, Our Example, from 2 Corinthians chapter 8. We're going to see in verses 1 through 7, the grace of giving. In verses 8 through 15, the example of Jesus. In verses 16 through 24, the collection for the Judean saints. And so I want to go ahead and just open us up by reading the first four verses and then just say a brief word of prayer. And we'll get into the teaching of God's Word. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1. Moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in their riches of their liberality. For I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability, they were freely willing, imploring us with much urgency that we would receive the gift and the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And Father, we pray a blessing upon the teaching of your word today, Lord. We ask your Holy Spirit to be among us, to lead us, to guide us as we look into your word today, Lord. Help us to take the accounts that we learn about from nearly 2,000 years ago, but also the biblical truths that are found here in this passage and to be able to apply them to our own lives and ministry here today, Lord. We know that you have called us to be your followers. So, Lord, help us to learn from you this day, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. So Paul begins with, an encouragement by telling about the Macedonian believers and their generous gift that they had given for the saints there in Jerusalem. Paul saw this as the grace of God. He actually calls the ministry of giving that of a grace, a grace. We'll look at that a little bit later here in the message. Here, the church of Macedonia, and they had actually given in the midst of a great trial of affliction, yet they did so in the abundance of joy. We also find that this gift came from a place of deep poverty, yet Paul said it came also in the riches of liberality. It really testified about the witness that they had given according to and beyond their ability. But the thing that we want to really point out, what Paul points out there in verse 3, is that this gift was free willing. It was a free will offering, we might say today. It was something that God always desired of his people. He never wants to see his people giving in the sense of obligation, but freely as they respond to the work of God in their own lives. It was the way they gave when they built the first tabernacle there in the wilderness in Exodus 35, verses 4 and 5. We learn that 
Moses writing, this is the thing which the Lord commanded, saying, take from among you an offering to the Lord, whoever is of a willing heart, let him bring it as an offering to the Lord. And then Exodus 35, 29, the children of Israel brought a freewill offering to the Lord. All the men and women whose hearts were willing to bring material for all kinds of work, which the Lord by the hand of Moses had commanded them to be done. If you continue on reading that account of the offering that came in for the building of the first tabernacle there in the wilderness, you will discover that the tabernacle builders actually came to Moses and said, we have too much. Have you ever heard a church announce that, folks, you're giving way too much. You need to back off now. You're blessing us way too much. It happened there. And Moses had to constrain the people. All right, stop it. Quit giving to the Lord. It was a very rare occasion indeed. Usually you don't hear that in church life being announced by a pastor. But Moses had to do it. We learn here that the Macedonians gave in the abundance of their joy, in the riches of their liberality, according to their ability, and it was free willing. And yet it appears that they actually had to implore Paul and his missionary team to receive their offering. And I believe the reason they had to implore them to receive this offering is because Paul and his missionary team saw that the Macedonians were in need themselves, that they had need. And yet in their own need, they were willing to provide this gift to the church there in Jerusalem. Like the saints of Antioch in the days of Agabus the prophet, in Acts 11.29, it tells us that the disciples, each according to his ability, determined to send relief to the brethren dwelling in Judea. And so that's one of the lessons I believe that the Lord would teach us today, that an offering to the Lord, it should be free willing. We should have a heart that it just wants to give to the Lord and to give freely to the Lord as he leads us, but also in accordance to our ability, we are to respond with the gifts that we give to God. So verses 5 through 7, as we pick up, we discover abounding in graceful giving. Verses 5 through 7, I will read the context. 2 Corinthians 8, verse 5, And this they did, not as we had hoped, but first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. So we urged Titus that as he had begun, so he would also complete this grace in you as well. But as you abound in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all diligence, in your love for us, see also that you abound in this grace also. So he begins this abounding and graceful giving. He begins by saying that the Macedonians actually exceeded Paul's expectation. And they did it, first of all, in two ways. It wasn't in the gift that they gave, the offering that they gave. He said, first of all, they gave through believing in God and receiving Jesus as their Savior. Notice he said they first gave themselves to the Lord. And secondly... 
as they grew in their faith and they responded to the call of Jesus to go, they did so by giving themselves to Paul and his missionary team. It was by the will of God. They first gave themselves to the Lord and then they gave themselves to Paul and his team by the will of God. And it fits perfectly, I believe, with our church motto of believe, receive, grow, and go. As we first give ourselves to God by believing in God, by receiving Jesus as our Savior, we give ourselves to the Lord. And then as we grow in our faith and we take what we have learned and then apply it to our lives to go and to share the gospel with others, we give ourselves to others by the will of God for our lives. Romans 14 verses 7 and 8 tells us, For none of us lives to himself, and no one dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. If we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. Do you know that? Do you understand that? That we, as believers in Jesus Christ, we belong to Jesus. We have surrendered our lives to his we have surrendered our place, if we look at our lives as our own little kingdom, where we, apart from Christ, sat on the throne of our kingdom. We have, by surrendering our lives to the Lord, said, Lord, you sit on the throne, I follow you. We then become second, and he becomes first. Paul's desire for the Corinthians is that they would likewise do the same. And he acknowledged to them that they had already abounded in their faith, in their speech, in their knowledge, in their diligence, and in their love. And he said, I want you guys to also abound in this grace as well, the grace of giving. And when I looked at this, and maybe my mechanical mind got into play here, he mentioned five things that they were already doing. And he says, I want you to do this sixth thing as well, the grace of giving. So they were already abounding in faith, speech, knowledge, diligence, and love. And now he says, I want you to abound in this grace of giving. Number six, it caused me to think about my first car. John, what do you mean your first car? Well, my first car was a Mercury Comet. It was a six-cylinder. And when I was a junior in high school, someone did not like me. It was a guy. It probably had something to do with a girl before I met Lily. But they knew where I worked. And back then, you could open a hood of any car because we didn't have the safety protection on the inside. So I came out from at midnight at night, got out of work, and uh, went to my car and nothing happened. So I opened the hood, and I had no distributor cap, no wires, no spark plug wires, and I searched through the parking lot, and they were almost all there. And so I plugged in everything that I could find, and I drove it home on, uh, I think, one lacking cylinder. So it made it home, but it didn't run too well. It was firing on five plugs, but not the six that it had been designed to fire on. So, you know, you had this pop, 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 little spud every sixth one. It just had no power. 
And here we find there are six things that Paul mentions. And he says, you guys are firing well on five, but you're kind of stuttering because your engine is misfiring on this one. And I want you guys to understand this grace as well. You're running well on the five. Let's get it all together that you'll run. You know, it was so much better when the next day I went to the store, I got new wires and plugged everything in. The hardest thing was to make sure they were plugged in the right order. It's all different today, but that's how it was back then. But I got everything put together and running on all six cylinders again. Paul is wanting them to run on all six cylinders. He said, of this grace as well. Paul called all the aspects of their ministry. He called them this grace. It's charis in the Greek. It means grace, favor, or kindness shown to others. In this case, he's referring to this grace of giving, this charity of giving, we could say. And I believe the Lord is calling us to learn to abound in this beautiful grace of giving as well. Well, as we get into verses 8 through 15, we discover that he gives a, a second example, a greater example. The first example was the church of Macedonia. The second example is Jesus Christ himself. And so we pick up in verses 8 and 9 of 2 Corinthians 8. I speak not by commandment, but I am testing the sincerity of your love by the diligence of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. Paul, again, he said, I speak not of commandment. Paul wanted them to know, he said, I'm not commanding you. I don't want this to be an offering of compulsion or obligation. But I want to set these examples before you. The first example is the Church of Macedonia. The second example is Christ himself. He presents this grace of Jesus as being actually our greatest example of charity. And although Jesus dwelt in the splendor of heaven's glory, he became poor that we might become rich. Paul wrote it this way in Philippians 2, verses 5 through 8. He said, Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking on the form of a man, of a bondservant, coming in the likeness of men, and being found in the appearance of man. He humbled himself, became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Jesus did this, that through our poverty, we might become rich in him. In Romans 8, verse 32, it says, God did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? If God, who did not spare his own son, delivered him up for us all. How much more will God do for us now if he's willing to give his son Jesus for our sins to pay the price of our sins that we might have fellowship with him? Paul's saying he's got so much more in store for us here now on this earth than I believe sometimes we're 
willing to reach out and claim as children of Christ. It's been said this way, that Jesus became what we were, poor, so that we could become what he was and is, rich. So Paul encourages them, complete your desire. In verses 10 and 11, he says, And in this I give advice. It is to your advantage not only to be doing what you began and were desiring to do a year ago, but now you also must complete the doing of it, that as there was the readiness to desire it, so there also may be the completion out of what you have. And so here we find that it was a year earlier that the church is like, yeah, we want to do this. We want to support our brothers and sisters in Jerusalem. And so I'm sure a year earlier, Paul said, great, got a whole year to take up this offering, this collection. As we make our way back, as we close out the third missionary journey, we'll stop by and we'll pick up this offering and we'll present it to the brothers and sisters there in Jerusalem. So you got a year. Now, it would appear because Paul now has mentioned this offering in 1 Corinthians chapter 16. He mentions it again here in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, that perhaps they had neglected receiving the offering. No doubt some had given, but it appears that they had not come up to that pledge, that commitment that they had made and desired to do a year earlier. So now Paul encourages them to fulfill this desire, fulfill this commitment that they had made to the church there in Jerusalem, but also to the Lord. In this life, we can become consumed with chasing after the desires of this ever-changing world. But the Bible tells us in Psalm 37, verse 4, that we are to delight ourselves in the Lord and he shall give you the desires of your heart. See, I believe, and I am not alone on this, that as we learn as followers of Jesus Christ to delight ourselves in the Lord, that Jesus actually then comes in and changes the desires of our heart. He brings them in line with the desires of the Lord. He actually makes our desires one and the same with that of Christ himself. And when our desires coincide with the mission of Christ, he is able to see them realized in our life, that God is able to see them realized. The key, though, is to come to this place to where we are abiding in Christ Jesus, that we abide in Jesus Christ. As he said in John fifteen seventeen, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. Now, there are some who ask a lot out of Jesus. They desire a lot out of Jesus, but it's not according to the will of Christ. They're really not abiding in Christ. They're just abiding in this world. They have Jesus as this insurance policy to get to heaven just in case. There are many people who conduct themselves in this way. We were watching a movie last night, yesterday afternoon actually, Lily of the Fields, kind of a older movie about a black man who meets 
I think there were five German nuns out in this desert, and they determined that God sent this man to build them a chapel, a chapel, as they would say. And uh, there was a near in town, a guy who owned a restaurant, Juan, who ended up helping. And at the end, toward the end of the movie, after the chapel was built, one of the business leaders in the community asked Juan, he goes, I know why the others are here building this chapel. He goes, but you don't even believe in this. Why are you here? And he said, I'm kind of banking up my account just in case this afterlife thing is real. That when I get to heaven, then I'll be able to say, hey, I helped out. Well, that's not the way to look at things. But it is how so many do look at things. They have earthly desires. They might bring Jesus along for the ride, but they truly don't have the desire of Christ in their lives. We are to abide in Christ as we abide in Christ. He will give us the desires of our hearts because our desires really come in line with the desire of God himself. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into His image by the power of His Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today. And may the Lord richly bless you as you worship Him today.